all of our uh, in-person Bible study uh, participants are going to have to do what you're going to have to do if you're watching online is to go uh, online on YouTube and find the Incarnation Session 2 and at some point watch that. The video is about uh, 11, 12 minutes long, but it will go along with tonight's lesson. And uh, so we're going to do lesson two tonight. I want to welcome you, and, and I'm glad that you're with us and doing this study with us. It's Incarnation. Remember, uh, each week we're going to look at different titles that were given to, to Jesus at his birth and what they meant 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born. Uh, what they mean, of course, to us today, which is the only really reason that we do studies like this, is so we can apply it to our lives. And we're also going to make the connection to the Old Testament and see um, how it's connected to the Old Testament prophecies. Last week, we looked at Jesus' royal titles. We looked at Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the King, and we talked about the difference between uh, a king and a president, and we talked about, uh, you know, um, Jesus' connection to the royal lineage of, of King David and, and the ways that Jesus' life fulfills the, the requirements and the prophecies of the Messiah. We talked about how Jesus was a different kind of king, a, a king of humble birth, born in a stable, and who... Uh, was raised in a carpenter's home in in Nazareth and who um, was crucified and was buried and who rose again on the third day defeating death and uh, gaining the victory and how that he will come again someday and set up his kingdom so that all of earth, every, uh, every kingdom of the earth as we see in Revelation chapter 11 will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. So in the meantime, we live in the meantime. We are between Jesus's triumph at his resurrection and his triumph at his second coming. And in the meantime, we remember how important it is to still know Jesus as king so that our primary loyalty, our primary commitment, our deepest uh, devotion goes to Jesus as king and not to anything or anyone else. Tonight we're going to focus on uh, Jesus as Savior, which is going to involve us looking at the name Jesus itself, because the name Jesus, the actual name Jesus, is, is kind of our anglicized version of the name Yeshua, which is short for Yehoshua, and that literally means God saves, God will save. So Jesus' name preaches a sermon in itself. His very name means that he is our Savior. Um, we're going to have a, a prayer as we, as we open. I hope that you will, um, will pray with us. And if you have a specific prayer request, if you'll get that to us uh, on, through your comments or on the, the church website or emailing it to, to us, then we will we'll pray for your specific needs. But um, let's... Let's bow now and and have a prayer as we begin. Holy and righteous God, before you, we can only admit our own unrighteousness and our deep brokenness along with that of the world. So we give gratitude to you and we praise you for giving us your son, our savior, 
And we humbly pray that you would guide us now by your spirit to live fully and freely as your forgiven people. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So we, um, again, I want to remind you of two things. One is if you haven't gotten a copy of um, the book, Adam Hamilton's book, uh, Incarnation, Rediscovering the Significance of Christmas, then we have them here at, at church. You can pick one up or you can order one or, or download one, uh, your favorite way of doing. We're doing chapter two tonight. Another thing is make sure after you, um, after you participate in this, what we're doing tonight, that you go on YouTube and watch session two um, of Incarnation. All right, let's look at um, the passage in Matthew chapter 1 that has to do with um, Jesus as our Savior. And that is Matthew chapter 1, and we'll look at verses 18 through 21. Now, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they had lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So, thinking about Joseph, uh, Joseph is an amazing character, and we could do another study just on, on Joseph, but uh, thinking about what the angel told Joseph, of course Joseph, when Mary told him, was, uh, was kind of blown away uh, to hear the news that his fiance was expecting and he knew that it was not his child joseph knew that it wasn't joseph's child uh, he didn't know that what mary was telling him was the truth it sounded far-fetched but an angel came to joseph and told him not to fear to take mary as his wife because the child that she had conceived was from the holy spirit and that when the child was born it would be a son and he was to give the son the name jesus or he would save his people from their sins. Um, so, thinking about that, uh, knowing that Jesus' very name means that he saves us, we have to wonder what are we saved from, and then we think about what the angel said. He saves his people from their sins. So, this means that we are, guess what, sinners um, and we are all in that same boat. Uh, so let me just ask you, do you think people still think of themselves that way? I know, um, I don't, sometimes people think, um, I don't know, maybe that's an old-fashioned, um, maybe that goes back to the time of tent revivals and things like that, and people uh, would go around and tell people to repent. And uh, Do you think that we still think of ourselves as sinners? Um, yes? No? Maybe? Hope so? Okay. Well, uh, the truth is, if we don't think of ourselves, regardless of whether or not we think of ourselves that way, we, 
we all have the same problem. We all still have a problem with, with sin. We used to talk about it more. Um, I have a, a very um, a very old um, book of worship. It, this one's different from the one that we, we use now. This is copyright 1964. Well, I said it was very old. I'm actually copyrighted before this book was, but uh, <laughs> it was copyrighted in 1964. And the, um, the order of worship for uh, Holy Communion from this book has this as the general prayer of confession. And I, I want you to just kind of listen to how this prayer of confession talks about us as sinners. Um, before receiving communion, this is his prayer of confession from this, um, this older um, book of worship. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker of all things, judge of all men, we acknowledge and bewail our manifold sins and wickedness which we from time to time most grievously have committed by thought, word, and deed against thy divine majesty. We do earnestly repent and are heartily sorry for these our misdoings. The remembrance of them is grievous unto us. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father. For thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ's sake, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may ever hereafter serve and please thee in newness of life to honor and glory of thy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And you might even remember um, praying this prayer before communion. If you, if you are Methodist, as long as I've been Methodist, then, then you might remember this. And, but here is, is kind of what I want us to think about. What we used to say, we say something similar to that now. I'm not saying that we don't say that, but it's just these words are kind of, kind of old-fashioned but really powerful. It says we uh, acknowledge and we bewail our manifold sins and wickedness, which we from time to time most grievously have committed. And how do we commit them? By thought, word, and deed. Um, so does this include everybody? Of course it includes everybody. Uh, otherwise, the good news wouldn't have been included to everybody. And so I want you to look now at um, Luke's gospel, chapter 2, at the angel's message to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2, verses um, 8 through 14. In the region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. So the good news of great joy was for all people, uh, because in the city of David was born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So 
the good news of salvation from our sins is for all people. Now, um, let's talk about sin and what sin is, and then we'll finish up by talking about what Jesus does and how Jesus saves us from our sins. There's a, a word in the Old Testament that is, is commonly used for sin, and it's the Hebrew word hata, and it means to stray from the path. And if you think about the Lord being our shepherd and we are sheep, and sheep stray from the path sometimes. Uh, Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And we know that to be true. We turn to our own way. We think we know best. And the rest of that verse says, The Lord has laid upon him, talking about the Messiah, the iniquity of us all. All we like sheep have gone astray. In the New Testament, the Greek word for sin most commonly used is a word called hamartia. Hamartia, H-A-M-A-R-T-I-A is the Greek word, and it means to miss the mark. It's kind of an archery term. If you think about one of those targets that you put or on a bale of hay that you have that you might shoot a bow and arrow at, and you shoot at it, and but you miss it, it goes wide or left or right or down or so and that reminds me of the verse in Romans 3:23 all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God to fall short to miss the mark that's what sin is so sin is when we stray from the path that God intends for us to walk sin is when we uh, miss the mark that God wants for us to hit as human beings. And remember how we do that? We, When I read from the prayer of general confession from the book of worship, we do that by thought, and we do that by word, and we do that by deed. And one of the other um, books of worship that we had adds this. We do it by the things that we have done, and we do it by the things that we have left undone. In all of those ways, we sin. Um, so how long has this been going on? <laughs> you might as well just go back all the way to the beginning if, we, if we're going to look at how long this has been going on as far as, as sin. So let's do that. Each week we look at the Gospels, and each week we look at connections to the Old Testament. So go all the way back to the beginning of your Bible, to Genesis chapter 3. And let's look at a very familiar story, verses 1 through 13. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, 
and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden and the time in the evening breeze. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave me with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent tricked me and I ate. So when we think about what sin is, sin is straying from the path that God has given us to walk. Sin is missing the mark that God has given us to hit. How is this story from Genesis chapter 3 a story about straying off the path? Did God have a path that he wanted uh, uh, Adam and Eve to walk? Sure he did. It wasn't complicated. Uh, it's pretty, pretty simple. Um, did he have a mark that he wanted them to hit? There was one rule. Okay, have you ever said, you had one thing to do? <laughs> and uh, they, they strayed from the path and they missed the mark. And so sin is a problem that goes all the way back to the beginning of, of creation, all the way back to the very first humans. It's an ancient problem, but it's not just an ancient problem. It's a, it's a contemporary problem. It's a problem not just for Adam and Eve. It's a problem for all of us. And since we all have the <laughs> common trait of being human, we all have a predisposition towards sin we all uh, are prone towards sin. And I'm not just talking about the external act of sin. I'm talking about our internal leaning towards sin um, by thought, by word, and by deed. We have a list of um, sins called the seven deadly sins. Have you ever heard of the seven deadly sins? Uh, you ever committed the seven deadly sins? Oh, come on, let's just say we have, because uh, these are sins that are kind of uh, sins from which other sins spring, from which this list was compiled by the early church. You'll not find a list of seven deadly sins per se in Scripture uh, the way they are listed, but it was compiled by the early church, and these are sins from which all other sins um, spring. There's pride, lust, Envy, anger, sloth, greed, and gluttony. And those are the seven deadly sins. And so it said that all of sins uh, spring from those. It's interesting to study uh, these, these seven things and, and see what the Bible says about each one of these seven things. Uh, and at different times in our lives, we are all subject to the temptation. And you think about what... The, the serpent did for Adam and Eve, for, for Eve in particular in the garden, whispering in her ear, um, did God really say this? Um, God knows if you do this, then, then you'll be wise like God. You'll know good from evil. And so there's, there's something that is the deceiver, Satan, the, the tempter, uh, tempts us with of all of these uh, seven deadly sins at one point or another or 
at certain times in our lives, uh, the whisper in our ear will be something about pride. Uh, it will be something about lust at different points in our lives or about envy or uh, maybe it's maybe for you it's anger it's it's um one of one of the most interesting of the seven deadly sins to me is uh sloth and we think oh well that's laziness but actually it's a word uh acedia and it, it just it means just kind of indifference just apathetic just don't care and that's a real temptation, you know, as, as is greed, as is gluttony, and, and, and all of this stuff. So what is, this is from page 55 in the book. Here's a question. What is the forbidden fruit that the serpent beckons you to eat? That's something for each of us to ponder and to think about. What is that forbidden fruit that the serpent beckons you to eat? Where do you stray from the path? Where do you miss the mark? And all of us can answer that uh, on our own, in our own heart, in our own uh, self-reflection. And all of us feel the consequences of sins because here's what, here's something about sin. Sin always has consequences. Uh, sin, the consequences of sin uh, are, are alienation, a, a, alienation between e each other or an alienation between us and God. Suffering, sin always brings suffering, it's shame, guilt, um, and ultimately death. The wages of sin, Romans 6.23 says, is death. And we have, you know, we've talked about individual sins. We've talked about the seven deadly sins. But there are also uh, institutional sins and systemic sins. Uh, there's, if you think about uh, just, just unjust systems and, and oppressive uh, regimes and of war and crime and racism and poverty and pollution and all, all of these are, are not just individual things but sin is, is, is bigger than that and the consequences of sin are so far reaching and so um, devastating if, if you think of sin as a, as a virus we've, we've all been living with this um, coronavirus for the past nine months if you think of sin as a virus, there's a 100% infection rate of this virus. And that's really a problem. And so that's kind of the bad news that brings us to the good news, which is for all people. Uh, the good news is, in fact, that we are not all sinners. Uh, that is news, but the good news is that we are uh, provided a savior who is christ the lord um it's just that we can't really appreciate that jesus is our savior unless we know we need saving and i think deep down on some level we all know that we need saving so question how does jesus save us um and to answer that i, I want to start by looking at an old familiar hymn it's familiar to me it may not be familiar to you i grew up singing it i grew up singing it out of the old um brown cokesbury hymnal but uh it's in our hymnal that we use now and it's an old hymn called rock of ages y'all heard rock of ages um rock of ages cleft for me let me hide myself in thee 
Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. Okay, so the, the cool thing about the, the old hymns is not that they're just beautiful to sing, but our forefathers and foremothers learned their theology not just from the preacher preaching and teaching, uh, but also from the theology that they sang. So uh, we, we need these old hymns, okay? Like, like our great-grandparents needed them, we, we need them uh, because we still have the problem with sin and we still need the double cure. Did you see what verse 1 said? The double cure, save from wrath and make me pure. Um, we hear a lot about how that the first part of that cure that that Jesus saves us from wrath that we are saved from hell by Jesus's redemptive work on the cross from us but if all you ever think about salvation is that Jesus saves from hell um, then, then then you're missing the broadness and the depth of salvation uh, because salvation is more than just a, a, a transaction where we get a stamp on our, our ticket, uh, a get-out-of-hell-free card, I guess you could say. Uh, we, we don't just look at the cross. Um, we have crosses all over the, the sanctuary here, but we don't just look at the cross and see uh, some kind of a, a transaction that was made. Um, but we also look at the cross and we see, uh, to me, when I look at the cross, I, I, I see just how much God loves us. It, it, as, as if there's an answer to a question, how much does God love us? How far was God willing to go to show us his love and his redemption and his forgiveness? How much was God willing to do in order to be with us? And the answer to that is the cross. So the double cure for sin is to save from wrath, but the second part of that is to make us pure because God cares more about just us not being in hell. God cares about how we are living our lives right now, right? Um, how we live here and now and not just where we go when we die because God wants to be in relationship with us and being in a relationship means that more than just the one act of redemption that we were saved 2,000 years ago on Calvary when Jesus died, but that Jesus is at work saving us now in the present tense. Because as I said before, we all have a problem with sin, and sin always has consequences of alienation and suffering and shame and guilt and death. Um, so we we were saved but we are are being saved okay the word probably all of us at some point in our life have had somebody ask us are are you saved and and it just you almost have to know what the person is talking about when when they say that um, because saved is one of those words like love in the bible it's it's just it is so deep and so broad and so high and so rich that you, you have to see all of it to be able to appreciate it. In, in the Bible, the word saved 
in the New Testament is the word sozo, S-O-Z-O, and it doesn't. It's some. It can be translated saved, but it also can be translated delivered. It also can be translated rescued. It also can be translated helped, and it also can be translated healed. Um, it's the same word. It's just translated in different ways in different verses in the Bible, and so. Um, what I want you to know and what I want myself to know is that there's more to being saved than a transaction that gets me out of hell. Jesus is saving me because I need all of those different facets of salvation in my life. Sometimes I might need to be rescued, right? I might need to be rescued from my enemies. Sometimes I might need to be delivered. I might need to be delivered from an addiction that I'm going struggling with. I might need physical or emotional healing. In the book of James, it, it tells the elders of the church to come and anoint someone with oil. And it says in the King James Version, it says, the prayer of faith will save the sick. That word so-so. And he's talking about healing in this particular place. I might need physical healing. I might need emotional healing. Maybe I just need help. Maybe I need salvation in, in just that. I need to be saved to make it through this day. Okay, you ever had one of those days? Salvation, just, just, just help me get through the day, Lord. All of that is included in the very beautiful and deep and rich and wonderful word that Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is a full-service Savior, if you want to think about it that way. So if somebody asks me if I'm saved, I can say, yes, I have been saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved someday completely. I will, uh, as the old hymn, There is a Fountain Filled with Blood says, I will join the ransomed church of God around the throne to be saved to sin no more. There will come a day when I join that and I am finally and completely saved and in the meantime I just remember I remember that I'm I'm prone to wander okay if if I know that I remember if I know that you know I struggle with anger or I know that I struggle with pride or 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 whatever if I know my proneness and I know my weakness then I can ask the Holy Spirit to work in me and help me um, stay on the path, right? I know that God has got a path for me uh, because God loves me and cares how I live. God's got a path for you. God's got a mark that he wants me to hit. God has a mark that he wants you to hit by thought and by word and by deed. Um, the bad news is we're prone to sin and the good news is we've got a savior um, as we remember that and as we open our lives up the Holy Spirit will transform our lives bit by bit little by little our, our mind our thoughts our words our deeds chapter um, 2 and page 58 in the book I want to read this quote from the book for you it says, the more we seek to grow in him, follow him, love him, and serve him, 
the more we recognize the tempter and his fast-talking ways. Um, it, it, it's the more the Holy Spirit gives us that discernment to know, hey, you know what? That sounds really good. It sounds like a really good thing, but it's a temptation to stray off the path that I know I'm supposed to be on, and I don't think I'm going to do that. So as we grow in Christ, we, we become um, more prone, more, we stay on the right path more often, you know? We, we hit the target more often, and we, we uh, Wesleyan Christians call this sanctification, and that is the work of the Holy Spirit that kind of changes us from the inside out so that we more and more start to look like Jesus, like the one that we are following, Jesus. Jesus is our Savior, and we know that we can't save ourselves. Uh, we can listen to him. We can, uh, we can do what we can do, but we, we can't save ourselves. Again, I'm going back to Rock of Ages. Um, there's a, a, a verse in Rock of Ages that says, Could my tears forever flow? Could my zeal no longer know? These for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. It doesn't matter how bad I feel about it. It doesn't matter how hard I work. I still can't save myself. I have to have Jesus to save me. It says, uh, in my hand, no price I bring. I can't buy my salvation. You can't buy your salvation. Uh, it's a gift of God. It's called grace. That is just about the best good news of great joy to all people that I can think of. And that's what we celebrate at, Christ at Christmas when we say, uh, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. We say a Savior was born. He saves us. He rescues us. He delivers us. He heals us. He helps us. And you know what? Um, and this is what I'm so grateful for. He saves us from ourselves. You ever feel like you're your own worst enemy? I do. He saves us from ourselves. And he doesn't just save us from something. He saves us for something because he wants us to live for him. He has a purpose for our lives. So because I have a Savior, because you have a Savior, we don't have to despair. Uh, there's been a lot of despairing and a lot of anxiety this year. We don't have to do to do that, even when we face death, we don't have to face it with fear. And each and every day that we live our lives, we don't have to live them alone because the Savior has come. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for coming to save us. That your very name, Jesus, means God saves. Thank you that you have saved us, that by your life and your death and your resurrection that you have saved us, your redeeming work is done. Thank you for that. 
Thank you that you are saving us, that even now you're working in our lives to help us stay on the right path and to hit the target that you have for us, that you're changing us little by little from the inside out, Lord. And thank you that you ultimately will save us. When your triumph and your second advent uh, comes to fruition and we are all saved to sin no more, thank you, Lord, for your complete work of saving us to the uttermost. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us tonight.